Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking sports locally and nationally. Join the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What's going on, everybody? My name's Ken M. Thank you, as always, for joining us on this podcast. And joining me in studio, as always, it's the co-host, it's Padawan J. We tried booking a, a very exclusive interview for you folks. You know, we worked day and night to get it to happen. We tried to get Belichick's, uh, what was that, a Husky yes. dog uh, for an interview, but uh, all of our messages went surprisingly unread, so sorry. Yeah, we unfortunately, we couldn't pull that off, but fear not, ODPH Society. We have much to talk about in the land of sports, and we have a little special treat for you at the end of the show. No spoilers just yet, but you'll have to stay tuned and join in the conversation on social media to find out. So you can do that by joining in on OchoDoroParleyHour.com and joining in the conversation with the hashtag ODPH, because we are talking sports this episode, and we have to recap the weekend that was mm-hmm. the NFL Draft. Yeah. Now, this... Thursday, Friday, and Saturday that passed, the NFL decided to go and reload their teams with fresh prospects to hopefully get them on the trail to the Super Bowl. It's a record high ratings, if I read correctly. Yes. Uh, Especially for the first night. It was something like 15.6 million viewers. The ratings were out of control, but obviously with everything going on with C19, the fan base for sports is huge, and to see something new, everybody's tuning in. I'll say, as much as I appreciate re-watching the Patriots Super Bowl against the Falcons because that was on TV the other morning. Mm-hmm. Thoroughly enjoyed it. I can only watch it like in consecutive days so many times. Right. I mean, you can only do so much, and everybody is doing the best they can with what they have. Mm-hmm. I'm not knocking any any station or any organization for rerunning shows. No, no, you're trying to provide entertainment, and I sincerely thank you for it. But in this case, the NFL decided to come out with a fresh new take on the NFL draft. Obviously, they couldn't do it in Vegas. The spectacle was not there. We had no real idea what we were getting. Mm-hmm. We had a great introduction yeah. piece there that yeah. went around on Twitter. And then we get to Roger Goodell doing a Skype-Zoom-type interaction with fans. Mm-hmm. Question mark. I think if I read correctly, those weren't live. They were pre-recorded. They look pre-recorded. Because I I forget the exact specifics, but I remembered reading something about somewhere it was put out that if you wanted to participate in this year's draft to record yourself wearing your favorite team's attire and send it in, and they would do something with it, but they never. I don't think they ever specified what they were going to do. It was cool to see. No, it was very cool, and obviously to make the best of the bad situation we're so all in right now. Some teams were better represented than others. Yeah, that was a that was the thing. I was it, it was say. very telling when you got to a team, and I'm not going to name names, but you see, it was it was like a Brady Bunch type setup behind him. And there's more cheerleaders and like a mascot than there is actual fans. I, I completely love it that they had blank screens on for some of them. Yeah, them that happened. That's not the best look for your team. No. But like we say, the NFL is trying to make the best of a bad situation. Roger Goodell was trying to be the host with the most. Well, so he came out of this looking like a million dollars. Yeah, he did. I mean, he, he like tried. He, he starts out, you know, the professional look, the you know, the suit, the tie, this and that. But by like the end of Saturday, he's like sitting in his big leather comfy comfy couch or a chair, excuse me, in a t-shirt and khakis. I was like, that's awesome. Yeah, you know, he's just being a fan like everybody else. And and by the time it was all said and done, 
That's what he wanted to do, was get back to the fans, become one with the fans, and really hype up the event that is the true kickoff of the NFL season. I know we talk about the combine. That's kind of the, the planting of the seed, so to speak. This is where you see your, your products grow. And wherever they turn out to be, it's either going to make or break your franchise. That's why the NFL draft is so important. And that's why we gave you our top 10 picks of what we thought was going to go down. So, Pad, let us recap the top 10 of the NFL draft order yeah. and kind of see how we matched up. Sure. So, uh, of course, the Cincinnati Bengals had the number one overall pick. And surprising no one, I'm surprised they even let the clock run on this one. Mm. I figured they'd just like, all right, one, two, all right, picks in. Because they knew it. They'd even spoken to him that they were going to take him number one. Everybody knew it. You know, uh, It went to Joe Burrow, of course, the quarterback from LSU. No surprise there. No. It made a perfect sense for Cincinnati. They're in the rebuilding phase. The only question you have now is what to do with Andy Dalton. Mm-hmm. And we still, as we're recording, don't know where he's going to end up. He has become a very hot name on the trade block. Yep. But for Cincinnati, it would be smart to keep him there. Yeah, just in case. Just in case, because you never know what's going to happen with Burrow. Drew Brees last year. Exactly. To have a, a substantial backup quarterback Brady's is crucial. A couple, Brady a couple years ago. Exactly. Because if once your star quarterback goes down, you need to keep the ship rolling. And especially, it'd be good to keep Dalton around because, God forbid, something happened to Joe Burrow and he goes down. Yeah. You then have a backup who already knows the system, already knows the plays. Sure, you might need to change You know what play, plays you might focus on You know, if it goes to Andy Dalton because of an injury. With, with Joe Burrow, you might, all right, we're going to run these plays, but if you switch to Andy Dalton for God knows what reason. You know, if it would be an injury, you'd go, all right, you know what? We can't do that. Those plays so much. Let's switch to these ones. And it made perfect sense to hang on to the pick. And obviously there was talk of trading too, which there always is. There always is. And obviously to get the number one pick, they would have to move heaven and earth to get up there. Yeah. No team was really going to do that. Miami was the only one that maybe, just maybe they were going to pull that off. Well, I'd read that they were trying to move heaven, hell and earth to get the number three overall pick from Detroit while simultaneously keeping up, keeping the number five overall pick. That was never going to happen. No. No way. No, <laughs> You can't even do that on a video game. It wasn't going to happen in real life. Never say never. You might be able to. Yeah, with a cheat code, maybe. Yeah, maybe. But for Cincinnati, though, overall, they had a great draft. I thought they did very substantial. Again, their second pick was T. Higgins, yeah. wide receiver from Clemson. So they've already given Burrow some weapons, which that's what they need to do. And, I mean, obviously, A.J. Green's future is still up in the air. We mm-hmm. don't know what's going to happen there. Yeah. But Cincinnati didn't look too bad coming out of the uh, gate. And, like I said, I thought they had a very strong draft. Not the best draft overall, but a strong draft. No. So let's go to number two, Pad. The number two overall pick was, of course, to the Washington Redskins, and they took defense, the defensive end Chase Young from Ohio State. Smart pick. Very smart. Really wasn't sure what Washington was going to do. We, yeah. we, we said on the preview show they should take Chase Young. Yeah. But obviously you don't know. Certain teams just get in there and they just kind of throw a dart against the wall and hope the name turns out to work out for yeah. them. Chase Young was a safe bet. Yeah. Arguably is going to be a defensive force in the NFL for years to come. And that's like we said in past shows, that's something they need in the NFC East because you look at the other quarterbacks that aren't on Washington that they have to contend with, you know, twice a year. You need a good defense as much as, you know, you might need a quarterback or a receiver or something else. You need a good defense, especially for that NFC East. Right. So for Washington under Ron Rivera, we don't know what we're going to get from them, but they did take a step in the right direction. No argument about this pick. Yeah. Going to number three. Yeah, the number three overall pick, of course, as we alluded to earlier, was to the Detroit Lions, who took the Jeff Okuda, the cornerback from Ohio State. No argument there. Smart pick for them. Kind of expected. We yeah. didn't really expect. I mean, obviously, Matt Patricia being at the helm 
of that ship. Mm-hmm. We figured they were going to try bolstering up the defense. No surprise there. Smart move. Love the pick. What else can you really say about that? Surprisingly, though, Matt Patricia, defensive guy, uh, if I'm reading the summary correct, it looks like they only took three defensive guys throughout their entire draft. Of course, Jeff Okuda, the cornerback, uh, with their first pick. Uh, and then their ne- their next defensive pick wasn't until the sixth round where they took John Pennicini, uh, a defensive tackle from Utah State, and then you had Jason Cornell, who was a defensive end from Ohio State. Everything else in between there, or no, excuse me, uh, there was one uh, in the third round, uh, Julian Oquara, an outside linebacker from Notre Dame, so four. Mm. four. Patricia, you know, defensive guy out of all their picks, only four defense. Only four defense, but still, you know when the number one pick there, the devs yeah. really, really wants to focus yeah. in on. No, Detroit didn't have the the worst draft of everybody. Like I, like I say, it wasn't a great one either, but you know, kind of middle of the road, I would mm-hmm. say. So for them, I can't really argue with that. But Okuda is going to really help them out. Yeah. Now we get to number four, and I have to give a quick plug. Coach Duffy gave us a parlay point blog mm-hmm. breaking down the entire New York Football Giants draft. So to find out about that, parlay points on ochodoroparlayar.com. But for Pat and I. Pat, first, what was the pick? And then we'll say what we thought they were going to do. Uh, that was Andrew Thomas, the offensive tackle from Georgia. All right. So, Pad, you thought they were going to take Simmons here? Yep. I thought they were going to go for Wirfs or Trade. We were both proven wrong. Yeah. So, thoughts on this move? I mean, a little surprising they took – I know the bit, a lot of people were surprised they took Andrew Thomas here that, you know, they figured he might have gone a little bit later. I don't argue with the pick. They definitely need offensive uh, line help. That's, that's something that's been well documented on the show. And you ask any diehard New York Giants fan something that they desperately need. I'm not a Giants fan, and I know they need, you know – offensive line help so i don't argue with the pick i mean we'll, we'll see what he turns out to play the only thing about this pick that made sense is i guess he is the most pro ready of, sure. of all the offensive linemen that could have been taken so i don't really struggle with it and like we've talked about on the show the giants are one of those puzzling teams that you think they're going to make a right decision and then they go completely left field mm-hmm and we saw with taking the Messiah, Daniel Jones, last oh, So this year. isn't as left field as Daniel Jones. Though. No, no, it wasn't, which I was happy to see because I was fearing that we were going to have that. But with Andrew Thomas, it's a solid move. It makes a lot of sense, especially when you have Saquon Barkley in the backfield. Mm-hmm. You need to give him run support. You, mm-hmm. need a, you need a line to create holes for him to run in. Yeah, this was easily a pick for me that like when Roger Goodell was announcing the name Andrew Thomas. Who? Offensive tackle from Georgia. I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, once they said the position, I think everything was okay. And, he, and obviously, talking with uh, you know some of our fellow podcast friends, you know, Colby Mack on Twitter, and obviously Coach Duffy had a lot to say about it. it this was a solid move for them. So overall, have to wait and see. But yeah. but I don't really struggle with this one at all. No. Next up, after that, with the fifth overall pick going to the Miami Dolphins, they took Tua uh, Tagovailoa, the quarterback from Alabama. Well. No surprise here. No. Obviously, with Miami, they were taking the big name over the value, so to speak, because Tua is still hurt. We still don't expect him to be an impact starter right out the gate. Mm -hmm. So I am still saying I just hope they give him enough time to get healed up and really let this kid go. Well, that's the benefit they have. I believe they still have Josh Rosen and then Ryan Fitzpatrick there. So there's no rush to bring him in. It's not like you're you're dealing with somebody of – little questionable playing ability at quarterback Rosen and, and Fitzpatrick. They're not elite. They're not going to win you the Super Bowl, but you know, to get you through the regular season, they're fine. You know, and I think that's good for Tua to kind of just sit there, 
you know, and we'll find out once the Dolphins doctors are able to get a whole, get a look at him because with everything going on, obviously none of the NFL doctors on any team were able to look at his ankle. They're kind of just going based off of what the other doctors have said. You know, once they make that decision, I, if, if he is good to go, let him go, you know, but if he's not, let him sit and really till he's like 110%. It's very tough to say that a number five pick is going to be a question mark to, to begin with, but Tua is. He has the injury history. Oh, yeah. And for Miami to risk their franchise with this, it's a, it's a gamble, mm-hmm. to say the least. It's a high-risk, high-reward definition. Yeah. Tua could come in there and revitalize that franchise. He could also come in and not be the same player he was out of college. Yeah, there's always that possibility. It's just the wear and tear of the league. And obviously, for playing the game, too, it, it could catch up with him. So I'm hoping, for his sake, they do let him sit. But it's the NFL. You never know. Teams get dicey. They start trying to rush players back. I'm just hoping in his case they let him sit and let him get healthy. But mm-hmm. I'm glad he's he's getting paid because he definitely yeah. deserves it for his work at Alabama. No, absolutely. So I, I can't, even as the, one of the biggest Miami Dolphin haters out there, oh, yeah. I can't be mad at him for getting paid for this. So kudos to you, sir. Yeah. But you're going to lose every game to Buffalo. Uh-huh. Next up. After that was the San Diego, or excuse me, almost at San Diego, the Los Angeles Chargers. They're always San Diego, let's be honest. Taking Justin Herbert, the quarterback from Oregon. Now, we both had this pick locked in as well. Overall thoughts on this, Pat? Made the most sense. I mean, you look at what the Chargers have going for them, where they need a quarterback, you know, with uh, Phillip Rivers being gone. I believe Tyrod Taylor is their backup yep. as it currently stands. I honestly don't see him starting over Justin Herbert. He, I kind of see him as like a Teddy Bridgewater, you know, backup in case something happens. But it makes the most sense for for the Chargers. You, you need a quarterback. You got the best one available. There's a lot of upside there, and he's got enough around him that he can really make some magic happen. The Chargers are the biggest question mark, I think, in all the NFL. Not even as much as Atlanta is, because who is Atlanta? What is Atlanta? Exactly. The Chargers, we hope that they're going to get back on track. And obviously making the move from Phillip Rivers, it's a big one. So is Herbert the guy? Mm -hmm. Jury is out. Watch Rivers go into Indianapolis and have like an MVP type season. (sighs) Just Just to spite him. I tell you what. Indy had a great draft in its own right. Mm-hmm. So I know he's got Pittman from uh, USC as their wide receiver. They got Taylor, the running back from Wisconsin. Rivers has some nice weapons to deal with in Indy. So mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying mm-hmm. Indy's going to run away with anything, but. There ain't nobody in that division can run away with anything. Look at the last five years. Oh, I know. But I'm just saying, I'm not doubting if, if Indy has like a 10 and 6 season. I I, I, I'm really not doubting that I at all. See, I could see it. I'm just saying, compared to the Chargers. To go in with a rookie quarterback and Tyrod leading the helm, boy, it could be some rough waters beginning. Yeah, it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be pretty, but we'll have to see what this team is made of. They have the potential. On paper, they have the potential to contend every year. Yeah. yeah. Will they show up? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Herbert, we got to see more consistency out of That's the only thing that really worries me about him. I haven't watched that much Oregon tape, but I'm not super impressed with him. Sure. But it's enough that I can kind of go, well, we'll see what happens. And if he pans out, it'll be great. If yeah. he doesn't, well, it's going to set that franchise back. I, I mean, mean, it's going to be an interesting division, to say the least. Obviously, you've got Kansas City in there with Mahomes, high division winners. No question there. Mm-hmm. But after that, you've got Drew Locke and the Broncos. We'll see what we get out of them. The Oakland Raiders, question mark every year for the last 15 years. Right. And then we've got the Chargers. Like we said, they're hit and miss. They're very streaky. They'll have a great year, and then they will have an okay year, and then they'll suck. Yeah. So... Jury is out, but hey, they got their new leader, 
calling the plays. So mm-hmm. we'll have to wait and see what happens yeah. there. Number seven. Went to the Carolina Panthers, who took Derek Brown, the defensive tackle from Auburn. And I just want to say, I think it's real obvious what uh, Matt Rule, the new quarterback in Carolina, is doing and what he was looking at in the draft. Here are his picks uh, for the draft, just position only. Uh, defensive tackle, defensive end, safety, quarterback, safety, defensive tackle, and cornerback. I think he's looking on one side of the ball. I think he definitely is. And, you know, Ooh. when you have Christian McCaffrey and Teddy Bridgewater, yeah, you're okay on that first half. I, I mean, mean, I'd argue they need a, at least a decent receiver. Well, DJ Moore, I mean, he's there. We got to see a little more consistency out of him. Say I wouldn't depend on him in a clutch situation. No, no, no. I mean, I'm not saying just that, but I'm for what they have right now, they did the smart move. Sure. Going defense. I mean, a little too much defense per yeah, se. Maybe. But, but obviously they want to really establish that presence, especially if you take a look at who else is in their division now. Yeah. Tom Brady. Yeah. Drew Brees. Yeah. Enough said. Matt Ryan. I mean, well, then it goes against to who is Atlanta. So. Yeah. They did. They made the smart move there. I We had no issue with this pick. And no. it, it, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a big pick for them, too. Oh, yeah. Next up. After that was the Arizona Cardinals who took Isaiah Simmons, the outside linebacker from Clemson. Did you see him falling this far? Nope. I think I, I had him going earlier in the in the draft. You had him going to the Giants. Right. I really wasn't sure where he was going to wind up. I was banking on Arizona getting an alignment here. Mm-hmm. Did not happen. I think they banked on getting a lineman too, but I just don't think at any point they ever thought they'd get Isaiah Simmons. Like in a wild dream, like, oh, Maybe, but like in all actuality, I don't think they expected it. I don't think they expected it either, so I don't blame Arizona for jumping on it. No, God, no. Not at all. I thought Arizona did okay for this. Yeah. And, I, and it's going to help out their defense immensely. I know that we were talking on last week's show that they really need to protect Kyler Murray, and obviously they should be looking out for their future or their franchise. Mm-hmm. But this was not a bad pick overall. No, and I mean, they did take an offensive tackle, Josh Jones, from Houston, you know, so that will help shore up the offense a little bit. Mm-hmm. No, but I will say this. I think that they had one of the best drafts of everybody this yeah. year. So, and Josh Jones, I think they they made a diamond in the rough there. Could be. So, hey, Arizona's looking good out there. I can, they just got to keep Murray upright. That's going to be the yeah. big thing. And then, I mean, where they go from there is anybody's guess. Arizona, yeah, until they establish a true running game, though, mm-hmm. but they got to get a line first. Yep. You know what they're going to be. They're going to be a one-trick pony, in my opinion. Well, and especially you got the receiving core of uh, DeAndre Hopkins and Larry Fitzgerald. Like, you know what to expect on first down from them. Oh, exactly. It'll be like the days of Fitzgerald and Bolden. Yeah. Just a little more upgrade, in my opinion. Yeah. But that's all you know what you're going to get out of Arizona until they can really establish a run. And mm-hmm. obviously getting rid of David Johnson. And somebody who's not like a flash in the pan, you know, like some uh, running backs they've had in the past. Yeah, exactly. David Johnson was the last good one. Yeah. But then he got injury prone. Yep. But now he's out in Houston. So. Yep. Where do they go from here? Yep. Overall, though, love what they did in draft. Oh, yeah. After, and Isaiah Simmons falling in them. Never see that happen again. Nope. Let me tell you that. Nope. So, number nine. Went to the Jacksonville Jaguars, who took C.J. Henderson, cornerback from Florida. So, Pad, you had love going here yep. in the draft. I said they were going to trade or they were going to take Henderson, but I threw a dart against the wall. Sure. I literally did that. Sure. And, I granted, I hit. Don't ask me why. Jacksonville, and it's funny because reading some of the so-called experts breaking mm. down the draft, mm. they thought Jacksonville either failed and had the worst draft or they had an A. Like reading the disparity I mean, I mean, in I'm grades. Looking, I'm looking at their picks. They are all 
over the place. Yeah. Cornerback, outside linebacker, wide receiver, defensive tackle, offensive tackle, cornerback, inside linebacker, safety, wide receiver, quarterback, tight end, cornerback. Like, I get we said they got a lot of needs and they got a lot of holes to fill, but good Lord, did you try and fill them all in one draft? I think they did, but that, that franchise... I, dysfunctional might be a nice word. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just yeah. I just don't get what's going on there. Yannick is still there, which blows my mind. Give it time. Oh, he's got to go. When you're fighting Tony Khan on uh-huh. Twitter, you're not going to win uh-huh. that battle. And if they're still talking about trading Fournette. Oh, like, that's a mistake. It, it's a mistake. Granted, Fournette gets hurt easily, but when he's in games, he's a beast. Yeah. I just don't see how you do this, but... Then again, I'm not Jacksonville's. Uh, Henderson will be a good pick for him, though. I'm not questioning that. But I, it, it's a Band-Aid on an open wound. Pretty much. I Like, where do you go from here? Like, Jacksonville, I think Jacksonville is going to be in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. I mean, there's no way they can trade Fournette right now. I mean, I'm looking at their depth chart. Their second string running back is Ryquel Armstead. Yeah. Third string is Divine Ozigbo. And then fourth string is Jeremy McNichols. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, not going to take any of those guys on my fantasy team. Yeah. E- Jacksonville is just Jacksonville. This might be an actual tank. You might see an 0-16. Oh, that'd be bad. You might. But, you know, if they get Trevor Lawrence, I won't be mad at him. No. I, I, I'm i sorry. Whoever's going to get Trevor Lawrence next season, and, and you already can mark the tape now. Unless something freakish happens between now and then, he's going to be your number one pick. There is no debate about this. If they're tanking for him, pfft. It makes sense to me. I'm, I'm not encouraging tanking, but I can no. fully understand in this situation. No. So, Jacksonville, good luck this season because I think you're going to need a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And rounding out the top ten. Yeah, uh, the number ten overall pick went to the Cleveland Browns, who took Jedrick Wills Jr., the offensive tackle from Alabama. Now, I had Wills going higher in the draft, so the fact he fell to ten, huge. Mm-hmm. Absolutely huge. Big need for the Browns. Yeah. Really love this move. Yeah. Baker Mayfield needs to be protected if you're going to get any producti- productivity out of him. Excuse me? Only well, Can only run around so much, and especially you look at Nick Chubb in their backfield. He needs protection, too. Yeah, I mean, they have all the talent in the world on the offensive side of the ball. They just, oh, yeah. They, they did upgrade in the offseason on their line a little bit, but Will's going there. Huge addition. Mm-hmm. And he was my number one offensive lineman on the draft, so the fact they got him, yeah. I, I think that they made some really smart moves. I do like their draft a lot. They got what Delpit from uh, LSU as their yep. safety, yep. Elliott the tight end, or I mean the defensive, defensive tackle. tackle from Missouri. I mean they made some moves, yeah, and they're all in the right step. So now it just depends on what you can get out of Baker, yeah. And obviously their new head coach did wonders in Minnesota with Kirk Cousins, right? So if he can do some of that magic with Baker, I I'm not drinking as much Kool Aid as I was in the last season, <laughs> but let's just say I'm looking at the pitcher in the fridge, yeah. So it could happen. Let's say it's it's looking a little brighter. Whether it can actually work or not is yet to be seen. We've seen plenty of picks in the past where, on paper, you look at it and go, "Yeah, that should work. This is a good guy. I like his. You know, he can play pretty good. He should be able to work great with this." And then it's just an absolute stinker. Yeah, I mean, it just it goes all over the place. I mean, that's the the greatness and the sadness of the draft. Mm-hmm. You can get the right person in there, but they got to get on the field and produce. Yeah. So this is one of those situations where everybody looks good on paper. But now we have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. So that being said, Pad, did you have any teams that you thought really jumped out as having a really great draft? Like, who was your number one overall, would you say? I'd have to say, and I know a lot of people are saying in Baltimore. Yeah, I agree. Just to, like you look at it from top to bottom, they added a lot of good players. 
Eric DaCosta, their GM, did a fantastic draft. Mm-hmm. Patrick Queen, the linebacker from LSU, huge. Yeah. And they got Dobbins, the running back there. Mm-hmm. He's going to be a beast. Not that you need to give Lamar Jackson any more running weapons. God, no, but he can only run for so long. Exactly. But I love every move that they grabbed here. That even Duvernay, their wide receiver. Right. Not that you need to add any more offense to that ball, mm-hmm. but they did so much. Even Proach late. Right. They grabbed so many different players that they're all going to make work. And this is where Baltimore really exceeds in the draft. And if you want to even doubt their skills about this, where did they draft Lamar Jackson? Real late. Exactly. And they've, they're they salivating about that. Mm-hmm. Baltimore is one of the best-ran organizations in the NFL. DaCosta needs to get some credit. Obviously, taking over for Ozzie Newsome, you were kind of waiting to see what we were doing here. But mm-hmm. so far, so good. I, I cannot fault the man about what he's done since taking the job from Newsom. I also thought Minnesota had a great draft, too, mm-hmm. which obviously, being the Bills fan in the room, Seeing what they were going to do with our number one pick, I was a little more intrigued because I was actually saying that they should get a wide receiver for the Bills, mm-hmm. and I was looking at Jefferson from from LSU. Mm. Lo and behold, who does Minnesota take? Uh, Justin Jefferson, wide receiver, LSU. Yeah, exactly. I I thought they did really smart moves. I like Gladney, the cornerback from TCU. Mm-hmm. I know they got the offensive tackle from Boise State, uh, Cleveland, I believe. Yep. I thought Minnesota really looked good. I, yeah. I had no issues with them. The Colts, we already discussed what they did. I thought they had a really good draft. Yeah. Now, if we're going to flip the coin, though, mm-hmm. which team do you think had the worst draft? God, uh, there's a long list. Why don't, why don't we start with you? I have no idea. Okay. So, my worst grade, Green Bay. Yeah. So, you have an all-time, all-pro quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. You are one game away from going to the Super Bowl. And he got there with literal no names. L- literal no names and on like a limping leg. Yeah. And it had absolutely nothing going on. Mm-hmm. So that being said, the only thing he's been screaming at is get me some weapons. What do you do? Quarterback. Next. Uh, <laughs> running back. Next. Tight end. Yep. Uh, inside linebacker. Offensive guard. Center. Offensive tackle. Safety and defensive end. So let's rewind. That first pick, mm-hmm. you go get a quarterback. Yep. First round. Yep. You go get love. <sighs> what are you thinking? Well, now I realize I'm looking at their depth chart. I realize they do have Devontae Adams, who's a very good receiver. But, you know, I'm looking at all they've got uh, Equemius St. Brown as their second string wide receiver. And then they've got Darius Shepard as their third string wide receiver on the one uh, line I'm looking at. Uh, listed on their other wide receiver, they have uh, Alan Lazard as their first string wide receiver, Jake Kumero, Cum- however you say that, uh, Malik Taylor as their third string quarterback. And then for their third wide receiver line, they have Devin Funches, uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling, and Reggie Begeling- Begelton, however you say that. Um, Devontae's good. Devin's okay. But you need somebody else to throw to. Yeah, you need somebody else to throw to, but harping back on this, you take Jordan Love yep. as your first pick overall. Yep. Where is the disconnect? Rodgers has been asking for help. Uh-huh. Are you really saying that this is help? To me. I'm not saying this is deja vu to Brady, but. Oh, it is. It completely is. You now have a coach that is just saying, yeah, you can you can tell me what you're looking for, but that doesn't really matter. Matt LaFleur, if you signed off on this, which I'm assuming you did. I had to. There's no way this decision was made without the coach's input. How the heck are you doing this? 
You just literally slap your quarterback in the face. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, we have really questioned their relationship since yeah. it's been there. It's it's a weird one in Green yeah. Bay. And if you read some of the rumors out there, it's even weirder. If you like to read the tea leaves, as the kids say, you can definitely tell something is not right on there. Mm-hmm. This is clear-cut evidence of that, that to go get a number one quarterback with your number one pick, rather. Yeah. Like, how do you justify this when you have other needs? I mean, let's let's look at history. Green Bay, last time they took a quarterback in the first round and what sequentially happened uh, with their starting quarterback, they traded into an AFC East team. I'm not saying I'd like history to repeat itself, but yeah, hi, I, we have a rece- uh, quarterback need. I'm already fearing Aaron Rodgers is coming yeah. to the Patriots. I'm already expect- we'll take him. I'm expecting to see the tweets from So Wizard and Wonder Soul and you about this. I am. I have. All this. I'm, listen, I'm not saying uh, Rogers' jersey number is available in New England, but it's available. Yeah, I, don't got to pay for it. I'm just saying that I could see Green Bay dumping Aaron Rodgers to New England because mm-hmm. this move tells me one thing: mm-hmm. that they feel that the window shut with their team. In, in Matt Lafleur's eyes, this is my opinion. He feels that window has shut, and he is said. We're done. We're going to have to rebuild. That, it's either that or he just doesn't see how he can succeed with his play style and the way he wants to do things with Rodgers, which is absolutely insane. It's nuts because the only thing you need to do in this draft was filled with wide receivers. You just needed to pick one. Mm-hmm. You needed to go get one, and you did not. You grabbed a running back, which that's not your problem. No. You need receivers to catch the ball. Yep. Devontae Adams is a is a serviceable wide receiver. Yeah. But is he a true elite number one? No. Debatable. Very debatable. But you, yeah. but you can't sit there and say he is. At least in my opinion, you don't. He's a good no. number two that has shown flashes of brilliance. Sure. But you can't say he's a number one and then let no. him so, so to burn your draft to what? Cut your nose to spite your face? Like to say, oh, look at me, I can run this team? Well, so yeah, you mentioned they took A.J. Dillon, Boston College's running back. You know, okay, cool. You've got Aaron Jones there who had 1,000 yards rushing last year and 16 touchdowns, which was tied for first in the NFL. Yeah. And running ain't your issue. No, running is not your issue. And you needed to get the ball in the air more. You did nothing to address it. Absolutely nothing. You basically have now said you have a civil war, so now you have an upset quarterback. Let's, let's be honest. Rodgers is not going to make a big thing in the media about this. No. But behind the scenes in that locker room. <laughs> oh, it's going to get ugly. It's going to get ugly. He, like You're going to see one of two things happen. Rodgers is going to go or LaFleur is going to go. Mm-hmm. And obviously by this move, you, oh my God, I can't believe I'm saying this. 2020 is the weirdest year. Yeah. LaFleur is staying. Rodgers is going to go. Come to New England. No, I've already said this. It's about the same type of weather. I feel this is going to happen. I think that Belichick is going to sit there, consult with his draft companion mm-hmm. that we saw on draft night. <laughs> yeah. And he is going to. Follow gonna, him on, on Instagram. The dog's on Instagram. He's going to make a deal like nobody's business. Yeah. And it's going to shatter the NFL. I'm going to flip out because Rodgers, guess what? He's used to playing with no ride receivers. But you know what? If you put him with Belichick. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I, I don't even want to fathom that idea decent running back okay receiving core oh they can go they'll make some moves you know like you imagine him with edelman oh oh no i don't want to imagine <laughs> let me be, put that energy out there well i'm just saying you have a you have a healthier version of brady yep that that is the it, who's got a, who's got a better arm at least right now yeah exactly so put that you in got, you got you got a man who's lethal from the other side of the 50 yard line if they wind up getting him, which 
I I could fully see happening. If it happens, I'm going the full like duct tape the back of my jersey route just so I don't have to buy a new one. Yeah, you're going to have to because it's going to be game over. The Rodgers jersey in New England will be the hottest thing out there. Yeah. Middle top baby Yoda. <laughs> not, I'm not even going to lie about this. But something has to give. Yeah. And this is, yeah. the, this is the final straw, in my opinion. That obviously, there's a discord between Rodgers and his coaches. I mean, obviously, we know him and Mike McCarthy. By the time everything was all said and done, mm-hmm. that kind of dissolved. McCarthy in Dallas, though, he has to be happy. They had a great draft. Let's say shout out to Jerry Jones's Bond supervillain lair. Oh, my God. That was insane. One of the wildest things I've seen. And like I said, they even had a draft, and they were smart enough to draft a wide receiver. Uh huh. <sighs> like, you look at all the teams that drafted wide receivers in the first round, they drafted needs. Why did Green Bay need a quarterback in this round? Unless you are fully expecting this guy to be the next Aaron Rodgers. I'm sorry. I just, Maybe they're trying to get history to repeat itself because you remember when they took Rodgers, he sat behind Brett Favre for four years or whatever right. the heck it was. Maybe they're trying to repeat history. I don't have Rodgers' contract in front of me, but may, they might be sitting there looking at, all right, took a pretty good quarterback out of college, sat behind a great quarterback for four years. Why don't we try doing it again? And it's not a bad idea in theory, but I guess I would compare – where was Favre at when they drafted the quarterback? Mm, true. When they drafted Rodgers. True. Rodgers at this stage is still an elite quarterback. Yeah. He hasn't fallen off. In fact, he has played through more injuries mm-hmm. and put that team on his back. He's made more chicken salad out of chicken shit. Exactly. He's He has a buffet line. That's how much he's made of it. You can't tell me that Rodgers has fallen off that much that you thought that that was it. The reason that you guys did not go to the Super Bowl is you couldn't stop a run a running back by committee San Francisco team that punched you so much in the mouth they knocked you out in the second quarter, point blank. So what did you do to address it? Nothing. Yep. So congratulations, Green Bay. Wash, rinse, repeat, except now you have a quarterback that wants to get out of town that I'm assuming or is going to need some explaining. I mean, I'm sure he's going to stay there. He's not going to ask to leave. Well, maybe not publicly. Not publicly, but now you're going to hear a lot of chatter this offseason mm-hmm. of what to do there because... The walls have ears. The walls have ears, and you have now aggravated your star quarterback. Yep. There is a true discord going on that is going to be unrepairable. Mm-hmm. So, unless New England runs the... Or, I'm sorry. I'm already getting ready to say New England. I am with Rodgers. Let it happen. Unless Green Bay runs the table, the season's going to be washed. It's going to get worse, and I am just not excited about this at all. At all. Because either one thing, Rodgers is going to have a fall-off, and that's going to get ugly. I mean, we'll have something to talk about on the show. Mm-hmm. Or he's going to go to New England, and just the dynasty continues. Yeah. Ugh, not looking forward to that. And the other team that I thought had a bad draft was the Bears, but I'm so despot- <laughs> so disgusted from Green Bay's. I don't even think I want to talk about them because I just don't understand why they need to grab a tight end there. They have more needs than they they can figure out too. Mm-hmm. I like it. Just it didn't really seem like they they had a need. They filled any of their needs, and they have so much dysfunction in their quarterback situation too. Yeah. What with Folds and Trubisky? Oh God, yeah. So Ugh. so Ugh. what is your identity? Because I have no idea what it's going to be. I don't think they know. They don't. So, like I said, prior to that move, they were going to get my worst pick. But no, mm. Green Bay, you have taken the, you have taken that to a whole other level that I cannot even articulate. Mm-hmm. And I swear, if they trade Aaron Rodgers to New England, I'm going to lose it on here. Let it happen. Oh, I know. Everyone wants to see that. We might have to put that on Twitch to get my honest reaction. 
So that being said, Pad, what do you think about your team, the Patriots, as we close this out? I thought they did all right. You know, everything, all things considered, definitely needed help on the defensive end, and I like some of the picks they made. Uh, they took Kyle Duggar with their first overall pick in the second round, uh, safety from Lenore Ryan University. Not going to lie, they said that university, and I said, where the hell is that? Mm-hmm. Never heard of it. Uh, but, no, I like the pick, you know, especially he'll be learning uh, this the position and some of the in, ins and outs of the NFL from the McCourty twins, who obviously are two safeties. The safeties that got up there, they got Patrick Chung up there as a safety. So he's got some great people to learn from. Uh, you know, I like everything else they had going on with them. They took a couple uh, Michigan Wolverines, uh, Josh Oos, the defensive end from Michigan. Of course, they took Chase uh, Winovich, the linebacker from Wisconsin, or not Wisconsin, uh, Michigan last year, and he's worked out great. Mm. So I think that'll be able to work out really good. So I like what they did. Yeah, I have to say, I thought the Patriots. I, I know everybody was freaking out that they didn't grab a quarterback. Listen, and Belichick, we trust. The last time, last time they took a, a pretty halfway decent quarterback, and you know the draft was what two thousand ninety nine. Give take, give or take. Yeah, I I don't really worry about their moves at all. Yeah, I just worry about my team. And I will say this, Buffalo, I love their draft. In fact, you even called their their second round pick there, my friend. Oh, AJ Epinesa. Uh, oh yeah. From Iowa, you thought he was going to go Patriots. He fell to the Bills. There I mean, the Bills, the Bills did not have a number one pick because they traded for Stefan Diggs. But this was a great pick at two. I I love this pick. Zach Moss from Utah as a running back. He is a Frank Gore type. Yeah, I love everything about that. Gabriel <clears throat> Davis from UCF. He'll be a substantial wide receiver. Not that we need anymore, but it never hurts to have a little depth there. And then Jake from from um, Georgia. I will say this: um, whoever the State Farm agency is up in Buffalo for the next couple of years, your advertising campaign just got real easy. Oh, it definitely did. No, they're saving a lot of money. They have a lot of of ways they can go about this for their their draft. Josh Allen is going to have a, a solid number two. Yeah, I like I like from better than Matt Berkeley. So. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that at this stage. Yeah, and like I said, Moss it will be a nice compliment to Singletary. So that's what you need, and I'm telling you, I'm not saying this because it's my team, but barring Aaron Rodgers coming to New England. Let it happen. This has got to be the Bills' year to, to win the East. There's no reason unless massive injuries happen. Yeah. That they, they should not win as the team stays put right now as we record. Obviously, some moves can happen between now and then, but I'm telling you this, Buffalo is set up to win now. I love everything they did in this draft. I, I cannot compliment the front office for all the moves they did enough this is going to be a fun season when it kicks off but folks hit us up on that hashtag hashtag odph how did your team do in the nfl draft did you love their picks did you hate their picks and what happened i know philly fans have got a lot to say about theirs i'm waiting for them to come in on twitter about this at od parlay hour or better yet hit up at coach duffy 11 because he is asking for any and all feedback from the NFL draft. Be sure to include a Charlie Weiss photo. Yes, that'll get you bonus points. And Coach is definitely ready to talk to you about that and everything else is going on. But we definitely want to continue this conversation going on social media, so join in on that. What is your thoughts about the NFL draft this year? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. imagine a world immune to all forms of cancer? Ladies and gentlemen, the time has come for our fourth annual live stream for the cure. And this year, we need your help more than ever. 
Please join us May 27th through May 31st for 48 hours of live content from guests and podcasts around the world. We'll be aiming for our most ambitious goal to date as we try to raise $10,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. Please visit www.livestreamforthecure.com for more information on this year's event and how you can be a part of it. Together, we can make a difference. Hey, this is Mike C. from Horizon 607, and you're listening to the ODPH, the most killer podcast on the planet. Coming back for the second segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and thank you to the UFC. Mm-hmm. You are giving us plenty of content to discuss yeah. each and every week yeah. going on the good, C-19. Good, bad, and otherwise. Oh, my gosh. Every time we think the story stops, mm-hmm. Dana White says, no, ODPH, I'm going to hook you up with some news. As the UFC turns. As the octagon turns. Oh, yeah, we'll, there we go. We'll, we'll run with that. Trademark. So the latest happenings going on, Pad, is May 9th is on in Florida. Hey, we called it. Shocker to no one. But the UFC has made it completely official. Mm-hmm. They are going to be having UFC 249 in Florida, Jacksonville to be specific, the Vistar Veterans Memorial Arena. Mm-hmm. And they are also booking fight cards for May 13th and 16th. Yep. So three fight cards are going to be taking place in Florida. Uh, the Florida Athletic Commission, Boxing Commission is involved. So I'm a little better about this mm-hmm. that now it's going to be under a regulated well and, and dana did an interview the other day where he said they i forget who he said they sent it to but they sent a 30 page i think it was like a plan yeah of what they're going to do for when these fights occur and everything leading up to them and afterwards and all that just to make sure everything's by the by so hey they haven't been sitting on their hands the whole time yeah and i i will say this that is the one thing that i've been very critical about I will own that. I'm not t- saying I'm backing down from that stance. I wanted to know what the UFC was doing to make sure the fighters and crew were going to be healthy and safe. No, it's good. It, like you said, it's good to know that they're doing this. But it should again. I'm not backing down from it either because we are now just about a week and a half away from the event. We should have known this more than a week and a half ahead of the event. Yes, I fully agree. But. The fact that they have turned in all their information to the Florida State Boxing Commission, which I believe is the one that is overseeing this. Mm-hmm. As long as they are on board and they have been turned in with everything about what you know standards they're going to be doing to keep fighters and, and crew healthy and safe during this, and they have signed off on this, okay, I can stomach this. Mm-hmm. Not exactly over the moon, hey, great, they're back, but they have done what they needed to do right. to run. And they're following the the government stand the standards that they need to do in the governing state of Florida. Mm-hmm. So okay, I can I can deal with this. So reading in an interview, uh, an article rather by Brett Akamoto from ESPN, Dana is still talking about Fight Island, <sighs> and Dana is still mentioning that international fights are going to happen there in June. Uh, there is going to be also a card on May twenty third, but they have not said where that's going to be. So. It could still be in Jacksonville. It could be moved. I still got questions about that whole thing. Oh, Fight Island? I got plenty. I have plenty. I mean, I remember seeing a couple things posted on Instagram where Dana's saying he's going to build the the octagon on the beach. They're going to be building hotels, gyms. They're going to be basically building their UFC resort. But here's the thing, though. 
I've seen how long it takes people to build a hotel. They built one in our area not too long ago. It took them the better part of like seven months to do it. All these, uh, presumably, you're on an island that, and again, we don't even know where this goddamn island is. No. Not that it matters, but it's kind of curiosity. But we don't know if it's a deserted island that, like, there's nothing on it but palm trees and foliage, or if there was something already there. Think like the the last, or excuse me, think of Skyfall, the Bond movie where there was that abandoned island where there was already buildings on it. Mm-hmm. We don't know if it's a, an island that's just got foliage or it's something that's abandoned and already got the infrastructures in place and they just might need to fix up a few things. But if it's it's if it's the latter, where there it's just foliage, I'm sorry, we're sitting here at the end of April. You're not going to get all of that built by June. Right, and there is nothing in the article by Brett Akimoto that I'm that we're using as the source here to say that what they have exactly have built or anything. It just says about Fight Island is still going to be happening. Albeit, though, all these fights are still not going to have fans. No. So it's just going to be fighters, teams, and I'm presumably announcers and medical staff and, mm-hmm. and the necessary essential uh, personnel personnel for the, the fights. Like It's so weird to think about mm-hmm. how they're pulling this off. This but. is a great idea under normal circumstances where there's not a global pandemic going on, where multiple, multiple, multiple countries are shut down. Like, if this were, like, three, four years ago, I'd be like, oh, this is a great idea. This is awesome. You know, this is, nobody's ever done this before. At least not that I can remember. No, I'm not talking, you know, like taking a boxing match to some island where people live. No, like, you buy an island and you put, you know, that, that four or five years ago, that's a great idea. I'd, I'd be all for that. Given the circumstances and everything going on, I still can't sign off on it. We're still living in Mortal Kombat idea, like yeah. Dreamland here. I, I don't, don't forget, Mortal Kombat's a terrible movie. Oh, it is. It is. Oh, trust me. We're going to be talking about that on live stream for the cure, May 31st, 1 p.m. on Twitch. We'll talk about that later, though. But this is such a wild idea that it just looks like everybody is trying to get the UFC back up and running so fast they're not slowing down to realize what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And for Fight Island, look, I don't understand what they're going to do for this. I'd like to see, like, a blueprint personally. This This whole premise is just, like, something you'd see out of a bad action movie. Mm-hmm. Like you got somebody with the, you know, you got the big overhead, you know, CEO of a company or whatever it is. It's got a lot of money burning a hole in their pocket and they really enjoy a sport. Let's just say football for all intents and purposes. So, you know, oh, what are you going to do? I'm going to buy an island. I'm going to build a football stadium and I'm going to bring the greatest player at every position to this stadium. We're going to play football. It seems like something out of a movie. It definitely is out of a movie and doesn't seem real, to be honest with you. And I'm waiting to see when yeah. this structure is built yeah if they're saying they're gonna get this done in two months i want to see what this thing looks like also if they get it done in two months that construction crew is about to become the most requested construction crew on the planet well you have to figure that whoever the ufc has hired to do this knows what they're doing they have to they have to because you can't allow errors to be made when you're flying in that many people to a mysterious island for a UFC car. This just screams fire festival. I, 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 yeah, no, I'm sitting there like this. Is, and if you don't know what we're talking about, there's a documentary on Netflix and a documentary and a different one on Hulu. Watch them. It screams fire festival. I can't believe the words coming out of my mouth. <laughs> like, yeah. yes, we're flying fighters to a mysterious Island for, for like what fire festival fly to this Island. We're going to have great celebrities and great musical guests show up and you get a slice of bread and a slice of cheese. Something's got to give here, because I just don't understand why the... I understand... Well, let me rephrase this. 
I do understand why the UFC wants to get going. Like, oh, I do too. They're like anybody else. They want to get back to whatever the new normal is going to be. Well, they want to be the first one out of the gate to say, oh, we came back first with you know our our competition. And plus, they're also looking at how the WWE is doing it too. Because, like, let's face this. Once the WWE got cleared, Florida gave the blueprint of how to do this. Mm-hmm. This is why every single major sports organization in the world is looking at Florida and seeing how they're pulling this off. Once it was worded in the law about being essential and what is a, considered being essential, involving the sports and entertainment world, mm-hmm. there is now areas of gray. The UFC is running with it. As a business, I can't fault them for it. Right, but the difference between UFC and WWE is WWE kind of fell into that. You know, Now, mm-hmm. they never planned to have a facility and, all, and the capabilities to run shows and television shows from a secluded location should something like this happen. It just kind of happened that way that, you know, along the way, hey, you know, instead of having our guys train at these random no-name gyms all over the place, why don't we have one of our own where we can have the best equipment and the latest technology and the latest this and the latest that. And it just happened that, hey, we can't go nowhere, but we got this facility down here with a lot of, let's face it, you ever been to Florida? There's a lot of hotels in Florida. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's plenty of hotels that they just kind of went, hey, this is kind of convenient. UFC, it's a fly-by-night. It's definitely a fly-by-night, but they're trying to get everything up and running, and obviously they're trying to remake fight cards from the previous weeks that have been canceled. That's why you're having the super-duper card on the May 9th, that this fight card is going to be crazy. Oh, this card's nuts. Of how it's established. I would love to see the UFC knock down the price for this. Yeah. And really give something to the fans. If they want to get new fans hooked on this yeah. idea, Yeah. I'm not saying give it away for free. But this card's so nuts. Donald Cerrone versus Anthony Pettis is on the prelims. Yeah, that's going to be an event, the prelims. It, it, that wait, blows what? my mind. You've got Jacare Souza versus Uriah Hall on the prelims. Mm-hmm. What? Nico Price, who does listen to the show. Shout out to Nico. Uh, he's going to be on this card. Um, yeah. They have got so many great fights stacked. In the, even the two main events mm-hmm. are going to be absolutely wild, which we will dive into next week. We'll, okay. break, we'll break down the fight card, and we'll just call it like we normally do. But to see that the UFC is back up and running, let alone they're going to go four days later, have another card, right. and then three days later after that, have another one. I still would like to know publicly how they're doing this, but I know they're going through the Florida governing system, so everything is on the up and up, to, yeah. as far as we know. Yeah. So this isn't like mysteriously going to an unknown island. Mm-hmm. Like, I have more trepidation about Fight Island than I do about this. I'm not fully feeling great about this fight card happening on the ninth, but at least I can stomach it that they have now given their blueprint right. to the proper people to say, hey, this is how we're keeping everybody safe. This is what we're doing. Okay. I can stomach this. I'm fine with it. I'm now more intrigued about supporting the card. Uh-huh. Not saying I'm, I'm planning on getting it, but I also want to see, like I say, I think it would be a smart move for them. If you really want to get fans involved and watch it, knock it down. What USC usually runs about 65 bucks American. Right. I'll, I'll give them this, though. It's a, I just looked up the venue they're having it in. It's a small atmosphere, so it's not it's not going to be as awkward as it was when they were in Brazil. Mm. And that was a full arena, and it was nobody there. So uh, I looked it up. The Vistar Veterans Memorial Arena, uh, uh, 
broke ground in November of 2001 and opened in November of 2003. Uh, current tenant, it lists, uh, excuse me, uh, for capacity. Where was I? I just had it. There it is. Uh, concerts, it can hold 15,000 people. Ice hockey, it can hold just over 13,000. Uh, and its current tenants are the Jacksonville Giants of the ABA, the Jacksonville Sharks of the AFL, uh, and then you've got the Jacksonville Icemen of the ECHL. So think of it as like your smaller minor league hockey arena. Yeah, locally it's probably the size of our arena here in town. Well, a little bigger, I think. A little bigger. Either way, the UFC has made the blueprint of how they're going to try running shows, and especially if they have their own private island to catch up on fight cards. Mm-hmm. God, that sounds so weird saying. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm trying to really wrap my head around this, that fight island is really going to happen. Yeah. To see that the UFC is going to get back on track is going to be really perplexing to watch. Yeah. Because I understand how it's written on paper, but paper to real life is two different stories. Oh, Christ. It's a lot bigger than ours. Yeah. Uh, our arena here locally for ice hockey is just over 4,700. And then concerts, it's just shy of 7,000. Okay. So it's about double the size of ours. I, I, I think in size comparisons, I'd say it's on par with uh, Albany's. Okay. They, you, of course, people have seen on Monday Night Raw. Yeah, okay. So that, all right, so that makes sense. So it's not a super big arena, but it's no. enough that it's probably it's, small. It's not, it's not full sale at NXT small, but it's not, you know, Dallas Cowboys Stadium. I wouldn't be surprised, and I'm just going to throw this out there, and I know I'm kind of switching gears for half a second. I wouldn't doubt AEW starts running there. Could be. I wouldn't doubt that Could as well. But for the UFC, they're going to test it out and see how this goes. So mm-hmm. I'm really puzzled and perplexed of how they're doing this. Yeah, but no, I, so am I. But I, I will say this, though, and I'm, I'm not backing down from the stance I had. I want to know how they're going to keep the fighters safe. If they have turned this proper information over to the people that need to know, mm. okay, I'd love it to be public and be a little more forthcoming about it. But sure. But we'll have to wait and see on this. So I'm excited to see what they're going to do, but mm-hmm. I'm also guarded trepidation about this. Like mm-hmm. I just, I, I'm still waiting to see if this actually gets pulled off. I know Amanda Nunez has backed off from the fight. Right. I'm wondering if any other fighters will is uh, to see and, and how this is all going to unfold. I mean, it's going to be anybody's guess. But, yeah. But, man, you'll have to hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts about UFC 249 being back on? Three fights going to be happening in Jacksonville, and then we have a mysterious one May 23rd, and then to Fighter Island we go. Yes, folks, that is not a typo. That was not a misspeak. Fighter Island is a go. 2020, it's a weird world. Mm-hmm. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Don't touch that dial. Don't change that station because... Just for a minute, we're here. Invading your current universe and bringing you two hours. The Tangent Versus, to probe your mind. I'm Kelvin. I'm the Chris. And we're two weirdos, nerds, geeks who discuss and obsess over ours and your favorite TV shows, movies, and other parts of geek nerd culture. So, how about you give us a listen and come with us down the rabbit hole. Take the red pill and see how dark and twisted things may or may not get. Available on all major podcast providers. We now return you to your regularly scheduled podcast. Good Good night.
Hey, this is Vince the Cowman Toy, local MMA fighter, telling you to keep on listening to the ODPH, the 607's up-and-coming newest podcast. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And we'll talk a little wrestling. We'll run the ropes a little bit. Recap, Monday Night Raw has been going on. WWE has still been going strong with everything going on C19. Mm-hmm. And the march towards the Money in the Bank pay-per-view card is still a go. Okay. Albeit, though, it's a little different. A little shake-ups have been going on. So we are going to be recapping Monday Night Raw a little bit as we're talking. Plus, kind of touch upon some news that broke recently and i want to get pad's opinion on it okay so monday night raw was a was a good show had no issues of it in fact one thing since i know you missed the episode pad Mm -hmm. apollo cruz has been coming along sure didn't they uh just recently partner him with ricochet uh no that's cedric alexander oh okay but they've been really kind of pushing apollo which has been great and he was supposed to be in the money in the bank and unfortunately and i as far as i know this is legit he did pull something in his knee he Mm. he tweaked it out uh got hurt in a match against andrade for the u.s title yeah i would say i wasn't able to see the episode but i did hop onto social media one point last night and i saw the post i think it was from wwe on fox you know saying that due to injury you know wasn't able to continue the match i'm like all right this sounds like Mm storyline but then and then i saw the video uh or a clip of a video on twitter afterwards and it was him it was either in like a trainer's room or like a locker room area, and he was on crutches, and he had a pretty hefty bag of ice on one leg. Yeah, and it, I was like, oh, maybe this isn't it uh, might, fake. It might be. We just don't know uh, if it is a storyline. I'll tell you this: I'm okay with it, sure, because I feel that he is going to win the U.S. title mm-hmm. when he gets back from this. Mm-hmm. If it's legit, I'm going to feel very, very bad because yeah. he's been on fire as of late. Like he finally looks like he has Paul Heyman and everybody on the writing team pushing him for once. Sure, Paula Cruz has had all the talent in the world, so mm-hmm. the fact that this is going to be a huge setback if it's if it is real, right, is, is devastating. And I know he was going to be in the Money in the Bank match. Mm. I'm almost wondering if they're going to just have a surprise entrant. Could be. And that's going to take his place. Either way, this was he had his, probably his best moment on Raw, had one of his best promos. He legit slapped Andrade as hard as he could. Mm. I know we were talking with Lou from Pina Comics, and we were both just like, if we if we got hit with that punch, oh, we would have dropped. Like, it, Pad, you need to find the replay of this. Okay. It is incredible. So the rest of Raw was pretty much washer and repeat for the most part. I mean, we did have a return of one Jinder Mahal. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Not sure how I feel about that. Uh, I'm I'm not either. I'm, I'm, I don't hate the guy, but I'm not the biggest fan. So Yeah, I, I'm very interested to see what happens if he comes back and uh, if he winds up winning Money in the Bank. Like, he's the one who takes Cruz's spot. Sure. And sets up the ultimate 3MB feud with oh him and, and, and Drew McIntyre. Oh, my Lord. Yes, with Heath Slater coming, like they'll bring Heath back. I'm, I have said no. Vision. Heath will be watching from the front row. He definitely will be. Um, some way, somehow. I mean, when Heath get, goes on the indie scene, mark my words, he's going to come back and he's going to tear it up in the WWE. Is is going to be fully reignite the fire in him and let him go. And the only other thing that I would say was really kind of jumping out about Raw is I know they're really pushing the McIntyre and Seth Rollins match, mm-hmm. which is great, and I think they should. 
Uh, actually, they got they let Drew drop an S bomb oh, on wow. air, which was kind of surprising for yeah. Monday Night Raw. But yeah, hey, they usually don't let that. They usually don't. But it was interesting to see that uh, they're kind of giving a little more creative freedom with the microphones and right. really letting the guys go. Yeah, and it's something I think that is sorely been missing on Raw. Like this is something it, I don't want to say it reminded me of ECW a little bit. Sure, but it kind of had that feel like just. Where you you blur the lines a little bit, you mm. just let somebody go, and yeah. Let somebody do what they need to do. Well, I mean, you look at recent history where I think the last one I can remember was reports were saying that Kevin Owens a couple months ago was like given not scripted promos, but was like given bullet points and so told, all right, say what you want, but you got to hit these points. Mm-hmm. And you look at how good those were, yeah. And now you look at Drew, and if Drew's been given kind of the same treatment, where it's like, all right, you can say what you want, but you got to start here. End end with this or end at this point, and you got to hit these points in between in some way. It's been good. Yeah, it's been very good, and I think for him, unfortunately, with everything going on, he can't really get that effect from a live no. crowd. So he's making do with what he's got, but he's been definitely doing some really interesting promos. I know when he did the um, Shawn Michaels belt pose oh. from uh, it looked like the Playgirl pose. Yeah, that Michaels did way back when. Um, like Drew seems like he's having fun with this and, and he's definitely earned his spot in, in the card Sure, and he's trying to run with it. And Rollins is doing a great job of making him look like a million bucks. And for Rollins too, it's kind of weird because I know his whole, uh, church of Rollintology mm. has now kind of gone up in smoke with AOP being injured yet again. Yeah. And, you know, Murphy came out to be, you know, the lackey to take the shot from Drew. Well, and, and I feel like it's kind of hard to do that whole gimmick when you don't have a crowd. Yeah, it, it's it, very- not even just to like work off the crowd and have them boo or cheer you or whatever, but just I feel like when you're doing a messiah, a leader of the many, you know, gimmick, you can't do that gimmick in an empty building. No, it doesn't work because you need that instant crowd reaction. Like this is where I see Punk in the Straight Edge Society work so well because mm. Punk could play off the crowd, and everything he did would get him instant heel heat. Like mm-hmm. he, he'd have riots starting when he was in town with that gimmick. Rollins is doing the best he can while he's got the situation, albeit, though, like I said, the faction's kind of up in smoke because AOP yet again injured, and, yep. you know, Murphy is there, and, I mean, he's doing the completely heel thing where he's being the lackey and mm-hmm. you know, getting the crap kicked out of him. So where they go from there, it's really kind of anybody's guess. But Raw has definitely been an improvement lately, and I think the ratings may not be reflecting it, but the show has been getting better as they're going into Money in the Bank. Sure. At least I feel better about it than I do watching SmackDown. I think SmackDown is kind of yeah, treading water a little bit. Mm. But they're doing enough stuff. They're, they're trying to do something really evolving those characters. I know they're really focusing on Jeff Hardy versus Sheamus. Mm-hmm. That's going to be feud coming. Yeah. I know they, they have this big hacker gimmick that they have. The, the oh, truth yeah. will be revealed. and Yeah, everyone's thinking it's Xavier Woods, and he's like, what? No, it's not me. Yeah, every, well, he's playing it off. Chad Gable's been mentioned. Ali's been mentioned. It could be a faction for all we know. What if it's Hornswoggle? <sighs> like, I, I wouldn't doubt it. It's WWE, and, and plus it's, it's yeah, it's WWE. <laughs> it's, it, it's Vince, and if you believe the reports, he's very annoyed and... and the way you saw Vince on SmackDown last week where he came out during Triple H's 25th anniversary celebration at the end and seemed very off, even for Vince. Mm-hmm. If you believe the dirt sheets and the reports online, that's how he's been for two weeks. Yeah, so I, I can fully believe that. Vince, when he's in that mood, is not a good thing. No, it's not. I mean, even like they had the Triple H 25-year special this past Friday. Shout out to Shawn Michaels for the social distancing thing. That was funny. Yeah, they were on point. Vince was... I got two yeah. words for you. Easy, buddy. Social distancing. Yeah. 
Nah, Michaels and, and Triple H is always money. Together. Well, and then and then you had the other uh, ringside attendant where Triple H went to go spit the water, and he just the, the uh, guy working ringside just casually walked by and took it out of his hand, and Triple H just went, "Really? Yeah, it's it's something that uh, you know they, they're trying to make the best of the bad situation, which mm-hmm. I applaud them and they did the right thing. But like I say, Vince seemed very out of touch in that segment. Yeah, and yeah, like he was just out of cue and. You could tell, like he's mm-hmm. just not the best thing. Unless yeah, said, times haven't been easy for him the last couple of weeks. No, definitely not. So with everything going on, especially releases been coming down, and I know they announced as we're kind of shifting gears a little bit because the, the TV shows have been solid. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this is going to be the go home shows before our next week will be the go home shows before the pay per view on, right. on May tenth. So I like the direction they're going in to kind of sum that up. But they mm-hmm. ha- they have had to deal with the release announcements. Yeah. And I know one was announced as a furlough, and that's going to be Gerald Briscoe, who's been with the company for decades now. 36 years, if I read correctly. Yeah. So that's a furlough, which, okay, that made more sense. The surprising one to some degree, but I wasn't surprised with as much, though, was Cain Velasquez. That was surprising in that you only just signed him. He's been on TV twice that I can think of. Mm-hmm. He had and had the one match, but the only thing I can think of is they were paying him a boatload of money and just might have felt, all right, this is taking longer than we would have thought and mm-hmm. would have preferred. And just with the way things are going right now, we don't exactly have the money to just, you know, burn. Yeah, which... Kane, it was always a tricky signing to begin with. Like, I think it was more so to keep him away from AEW. Yeah, maybe. And obviously build up the thing with Brock. Cause, but they already burnt it by yeah. doing the Super Showdown yeah. match. And, and they, that was a two-minute match. Yeah, and that was a botch. And, yeah, I mean, that was just a just train wreck match. But it, it served the purpose of putting Brock over, which, okay, served and made Definitely sense. Definitely one of the weirder signings you know, they've had in the last couple of years. Wasn't surprised when they signed him. I'm like, all right, from what I've heard, he's pretty good. But just how little they use him. And I re- and I understand he had an injury or whatever it was that it needed surgery and this and that. But just the fact that he was only on TV once or twice, had one match for all of two minutes, and then you release him. Yeah, it's just something that the WWE, I think, right now is trying to see where they can keep the sh- their ship afloat. I think that's been like an underlying theme of what I've been saying this week is everybody's just trying to keep their stuff afloat mm-hmm. and keep the ships moving. WWE is no different, and I think Kane being signed and they weren't going to do anything with him I feel that they think they can just maybe furlough him mm-hmm. and bring him back later when they have yeah, something maybe. for him and give him a little more training. Because when he's been in the other organizations, he's been doing a lot more like Lucha Libre style. Mm. I don't think Vince was going to allow him to do that in WWE. Probably not. So I think now this might be maybe a blessing in disguise, so to speak, for him. I don't know if he goes to AEW, though. I don't think so. Like, like if I'm him, I don't know. I don't know if I really want to go near there right now. I know that they're gearing up for picking the scraps of everybody who was released from WWE. Right. I know that they did on being the elite, the first tease of the revolt, AKA the revival mm-hmm. and that whole mess going on. We talked about it on the, on the wrestling show on the three fat nerds network. Um, yeah, that that's a whole tricky the, situation. Yeah. I mean, the, we, we all expected them to go there. It might not be a permanent thing, but like they've been teasing it for what? Three years. Yeah. Yeah, they've been teasing that for as long as I think anybody has been able to talk about that match. Mm-hmm. So when they get over there, it'll be something else. I know Zack Ryder is almost lock, sock, and barreled over there. That's probably the safest lock. But for Kane to go over there, I mean, they had the chance to sign him before, and they botched it. Yeah. Will they learn from that mistake, and will he want to go there? 
I don't know. I mean, I don't see it. I you know, I know he was at the, a show in Mexico. I want to say it was where the Bucks and Cody were there. Mm-hmm. But at least to my knowledge, he hasn't had a lot of working relationship with the guys. So it's not like there's that connection or brotherhood. You know, like he's a guy coming over. Like okay, yeah, it's a name, and yeah, it moves the needle like Brock. But when you're billing yourself as the anti WWE product, and you don't want to be like WWE, and you want to stick it to Vince. Why would you bring in an MMA guy? That just screams bringing in we're bringing back Brock. Yeah, it, it didn't really have a lot of sense to it. So I don't know where where he winds up is going to be anybody's guess. Uh, I'll say I know what Luke Gallows is going to be doing. Uh, he's filed a trademark for Sex Ferguson. Oh, Southpaw Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Ah, oh. he's filed a trademark for it. Amazing. Uh, if we can get him down here in the uh, Excite Wrestling for with that gimmick, that'd be amazing. Attention, Johnny Moose. Mm-hmm. Mr. Gallows has been here before. Uh, Luke Gallows is Sex Ver- Ferguson versus Joey Ryan, please. Oh, look out, folks. That's instant you ratings. Wanna, uh, make it a triple threat with Dick Justice. Indie wrestling is the best for a reason, folks. Uh-huh. When you can have matches like that. When you can have matches and laugh and leave with a near migraine, like I did one time. Yeah. So it'll be very interesting to see who from the WWE releases winds up back on the indie scene, who goes to AEW, who goes back to WWE, because they can still happen. Oh, yeah. Once everything kind of settles down with the C-19 situation, once the signings start happening again, I think we'll see a lot of traction going on, and I think that we can definitely see the indie scene will get a an influx of new or uh, familiar faces. Shall we mm-hmm. say I don't want to see new faces. I'll say, I think about the only positive thing WWE had this last week was during their uh, first quarter uh, earnings conference call. They officially announced that they're not doing WWE 2K21, which I think everyone's who's played 2K20 or seen 2K20 went. Thank God. No, but they, that Battlegrounds game is absolutely wild. Yeah. All just the only thing to say if you haven't seen the trailer yet is The Rock throws John Cena into a crocodile. That's that's today's gaming though. It's the wild. It's the wacky. I mean, just look at Fortnite. You know, and all the cra- they just had the Fortnite the other day just had a, a Travis Scott concert in their game. Yeah, like it, that's just that's just the way games are going these days. It's a little wacky, a little crazy. So WWE has got a very busy. Uh, I don't want to say off season right now, but obviously with no live shows, they have a lot of news going on, mm-hmm. and especially going into whatever the motion picture is going to be that is Money in the Bank. Yeah, is going to be anybody's guess. The shows have been pretty strong going home, and like I said, they've had a couple of different releases going on. The Briscoe one, I wasn't really going to touch upon. Just I want to make sure that that came out and it was released that. Uh, is a furlough. It's not a, a, a full okay, layout. That's good. So yeah, and obviously for him being there as long as he has, uh, that's the reports I was reading from various sites. So mm-hmm. I'm going to run with that. And for Kane Velasquez, uh, UFC door might be closed. WWE one I think is partially closed. AEW, if they're smart, I think they go get him. But I don't know. We'll yeah, have to, we'll have to see. We'll have to definitely wait and see. But hit us up on that hashtag. Hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts about this week of wrestling? What really stood out to you and what did not? And where do you think Cain Velasquez winds up? Or where do you think your favorite wrestler that was released winds up from the WWE? Hit us up on that hashtag, ODPH, and let us know. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Hello, I am Christy. And I'm Leighton. And together we are a new podcast on whiskey tasting called Married, Married Mash. Mash. Where we discuss life, family, and pretty much anything. Yep, and Layton brings a new whiskey for me to try. Will we clink it? Or will we sink it? Check us out on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And remember, always drink responsibly. Indeed. Two, three, four! Yeah! 
Hey, this is Johnny Moose from Excite Wrestling, and you're listening to the ODPH. I didn't mess it up. I thought I would. Right now, back to the guys. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. And no local minute, obviously, with everything going on. So support local, support local, support local. So let's round those bases and talk about mm-hmm. the best thing on TV right now. Uh-huh. The Last Dance. Ah, uh, yes. Now, when the series is done, and it's a 10-part series, yep. we are going to fully review the entire documentary. Mm-hmm. But for each closing of rounding the bases until that happens, we'll kind of give you our little preview or review of the episodes that happened that week. So we did kind of talked a little bit about one and two last week, three and four. My God. We are talking spoilers, folks. So if you haven't seen it, pause the episode, watch it, get caught up because we're deep diving in three, two, one. Dennis Rodman. Dear God. Mike Drop. Dear God. Amazing. Holy cow. The fact that the Bulls won a championship that year with everything going on. It's nothing short of a miracle. It's absolutely nothing short of a, a complete miracle and shows the greatness of Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. Because to deal with the ego and antics of one Dennis Rodman. Yeah. In his prime. Yeah. And as Donovan Mitchell said on Twitter... Or whatever he said on social media. No, it was Twitter. Rodman invented uh, load management. Uh huh. And you not wrong. You see the story of Dennis Rodman when he was with the Pistons, yep. and then when he wound up ultimately coming to the Bulls. Yeah. And just the crazy thing of when uh, he, him, and uh, Michael were carrying that team when Scotty was hurt. Yep. And then all of a sudden, when Scotty came back, I need a vacation. Yeah. He the three amigos were back, and he was the third wheel. Yeah. Which, it's interesting to see his point of view during that. Yeah. Because you never really saw that, per se. No. Going on during the season. But you saw him, and then you knew about the move to Vegas. Yeah. That Which, if if that were to happen in this day and age, nothing good would come of it. Oh, God. That, no. That's the kind of the one benefit Rodman has in this day and age where, okay, yes, there was paparazzi, and there's film cameras, and there's this and that, but... You know, it there was no social media. There was no there was no instantaneous like, you know, pick a player in today's NBA if they were to go on go to Vegas and start partying like Rodman did. You'd know about it within ten minutes, maybe. You know, but Rodman had that I guess blessing where yeah, there's TV cameras and yeah, there's uh, photography cameras, but photography back then, of course, had to be processed and it had to be printed and all this there was no just post in it someplace you had to take it back to a building the same with the film crew there you know yeah you could do some remote satellite stuff but like most of them were doing it off of tape that they then had to take back to the television station so you're looking at a while before it hit the airs Mm -hmm. something like what rodman did would never survive in today's day and age not a chance in hell not with tmz not with this paparazzi as it is not with everybody having a cell phone with the ability to, you know, if they got a Facebook, Twitter, whatever, you know, they've all got the ability to text message on there. They'll all know somebody if they don't have a Twitter, they don't have a Facebook, they'll know somebody who does. They'll post it, you know, and then you'll have the sports centers and the Fox Sports and the Sports Illustrateds and the Bleacher Reports and the Barstools all pulling that photo. And within half hour, 45 minutes, that photo would be everywhere. Mm-hmm. 
Rodman took full advantage of the opportunity given to get a mini vacation and to hear about how Michael Jordan had to go find him yeah. in a hotel room, and he won't even talk about what he found in that room. Yeah, That had to be the funniest and yet most shocking thing. That was outrageous. It was outra- it's outrageous. Like Jordan's like, I ain't going to say what was in that room. <laughs> like that's and that's saying something for for Jordan. Yeah, Jordan just did not want to even go near that, and he was just like, "Nope, we had to go get Dennis." And then Dennis was fine. The rest well, because who called it? You know, uh, he, oh, I only need forty eight hours. He's not going to be back in forty eight. Oh, Jordan, hours. Jordan called it. Every, even Jordan, Scotty go, called. Jordan goes, he's not going to be back in forty eight hours. We let him go to Vegas. He's really not coming back. Yeah, and for Phil Jackson to let him go. Yeah, you, you found out the hard way. You give Dennis that much time, I mean, you just said, eh, I'm gone. To their credit, though, like they said, he came back. He was on the straight and narrow the rest of the season. Well, Rodman has always been a different character. Mm-hmm. Always has been. I mean, he's just somebody that's wired on a different gear than everybody else. So for him, it made perfect sense. And he came back, and he knows where he needed to be for the team, and he wanted to finish it out and finish strong, and he mm. definitely did that. Because during that run, I mean, Rodman is such a critical part with that oh, team. Yeah. Is, oh, yeah. is He goes on very underestimated just how much he was. I mean, granted, he's a lightning rod of controversy, but yeah. he he will get you rebounds, and he's very unselfish about it. And when they need him to step up, I mean, I'm sure like in his head when Scotty came back and everything going on there, I'm sure everything was thrown off a bit. But when it came time to go make the run, they did the run, mm-hmm. and without him, they don't win that championship. Oh yeah, no, no way, shape, no, or God, form. no. But just to see the crazy stories involved with him, yeah, like I, I could, I could see a full Rodman documentary coming Whoa. down the pike if, if they had that footage from way back Whoa. when. It would be must-watch TV. This, like I said, this one was the most anticipated one for me to watch. Yeah, and it did not disappoint in any way, shape, or form. I'm the only gripe I got with it. And it's not even a gripe with what they showed, just the way they previewed it. Because all of the previews leading up to that were talking about the Pistons and getting rid of the Pistons and Pistons, Pistons, Pistons. Like total, the Pistons were in featured in the documentary for what, like a half hour? Not yeah. even. Well, I think what they really want to try stressing was how Michael had to evolve to beat them. That the Pistons at that time, when they had Rick Mahorn, John Sally, mm-hmm. Billy and Beer, and Isaiah Thomas. They were the bad boys. They were the ones that, for 90s, that late era of basketball, the early 90s, late 80s, whatever you wanted to find that time period when the Pistons were on top, they played a physical style that really gave team fits. Mm -hmm. And it's a style that you knew in going in against them that it was going to be a long night to work for a layup, that there is no such thing as a cheap foul or an easy one. And dare I say... If there was flopping going on, trust me, somebody would make sure they got their money's worth. Mm-hmm. That this day and age of the NBA, where I'm sorry, you have referees looking for flops, they would get eaten alive I mean, in to the be, Piston To era. be fair, though, I forget who said it on the documentary, though, but it was one of the playoff runs they had against the, the Bulls had against the Pistons where Michael was just getting knocked left, right, and center, and none of the refs were ever looking. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the thing. The refs would just let the players play. I mean, it's a weird thing to watch now because of how the game has evolved and how the refs now have to watch for flopping. Because before, it would just be physical basketball, and that's what the refs would let happen. You would see teams like, if Coach was here, we talk about this all the time, Oakley, Mason, Ewing underneath. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Trust me, you're not getting any layups right there. And to say the same thing with how the Pistons would play in that time period too, 
it was truly just like I say, that style of basketball was very familiar. Like I said, that late 80s, early 90s. I mean, the early 90s is when you see the Bulls and the, uh, the evolution of Michael and such. But this is when you saw that he had to put on, what, 15 pounds of muscle just mm-hmm. to hang with him. Yeah. It's not wrong. It's not wrong at all. So to see how this is all shaping up, I mean, this ultimately goes back to where Michael really evolved as a leader of that team. And it's so weird to say. It's like it really is a weird thing to sit back and watch that you say, like, okay, Jordan had to evolve. Jordan was already great coming out of the gate, but the fact that he had to put on muscle just to hang Mm -hmm. with – the Pistons. Well, and get th- you go back to the you go back to the documentary though. You know, he said prior to that off season where they all they didn't take a vacation, mm-hmm. they all hit the gym and hit the locker room and hit the weights. He'd never done any weight training to that point, so he was just doing it off of pure skill and pure ability with no added like, you know, muscle added on, which is already astounding that he got that far on just pure skill. With nothing natural added onto it. Yeah. You know, but for him and, and just the abuse he went through with the Pistons and not being able to get anything, it only made sense. Well, that's the thing, that, that he needed to do what he had to do. And it goes to show just his dedication to win. Mm-hmm. I mean, to think about it, for the for how the Pistons were running things in the late 80s. Yeah. To see Jordan realize that and realize he needed to make himself better physically I mean, for an athlete, that's a tremendous toll to put on yourself mm-hmm. to have that much discipline and dedication. But it worked. I mean, that's the whole point with that and just how it, it made him better. I mean, not that you needed to make somebody like him greater. Right. But, my God, you give him some muscle. And, and he set a blueprint for other players to follow. I mean, you take a look at LeBron James right now. Yeah. When he started in the league to what he looks like now. Yeah. Day and night difference. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, not saying I, I don't want anybody thinking steroids or anything. Cause no. If you ever see LeBron go into a gym, oh yeah, LeBron works out like a madman. Let's say he's been posting his workouts uh, during everything going on on Instagram. Yeah, exactly. Like I have no question about him just doing things the right way about that. His only cheat meal is Taco Tuesday. Exactly. But to see like how Jordan set that blueprint for it, and just how Jordan inspires everybody about this, it's absolutely wild. And just to see how the Bulls evolved to defeat them. And just the road they went through about the Pistons. Because, I mean, that that's a big stepping stone if you know the history of Michael Jordan. Right. And I think this documentary is more so about Jordan than it is about the Bulls season. That's true. Which you're seeing. Because you're obviously showing the flashback about the shot over Craig Elo. Yeah. And I will admit, I, my dad, God rest his soul, I remember watching that game with him. And if he was alive to hear Ron Harper's comments, oh, yeah. he would have been screaming, I said the same damn thing. Yep. Because why Craig Elo was guarding Michael Jordan then, no, one of the worst coaching calls in all of the NBA history. And just Ron Harper's reaction to it, yep, uh, spot on. Mm-hmm. Spot on. Yep. But to see that how this documentary series has been panning out, like I said, it's been incredible. And what I do like about it, too, is even though this has all been primarily about Jordan and just about his greatness involved, they're also just highlighting everybody else in that team. Yeah. And you're seeing the history of Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman. You really often forget with the antics of Rodman how great he was. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm looking at his career stats here. Uh, Just over 6,600 points scored. uh, Exactly, exactly Mm -hmm. 1,600 assists. And then 11,954 rebounds. Yeah. I mean, he was just such a defensive monster. Like I say, you wouldn't have like a Ben Wallace if it wasn't for him. No. 
God, no. I mean, you, you just would not have those certain players that you're not going to get 30 points on them every night, but they're going to show up and they're going to ball out. And what they need to do is just get rebounds. And that's all they need to do, they can do. I did find one thing very interesting, though, and that was about how after Jordan defeated the Pistons, mm-hmm. just to kind of close this out, how I don't want to say petty, but there's no other way around it, that Jordan always shook their hands, but they wouldn't shake his hands. Yeah. And how they tried spinning that. Yeah, I mean, they've been going back and forth about that since the episode aired on TV. Mm-hmm. I, I, I find that still to this day. I mean, it's it's interesting to watch from the outside looking in. Yeah. But I think we're going to see more about the Dream Team and just uh, when they start talking about that as just the preview for next week, mm. how that still evolves yeah. into it. Just I think of it is, though, is I forget whether it was Get Up or First Take this morning that was talking about that and how Isaiah was saying, oh, maybe because I didn't shake Michael's hand, that might have cost me a spot on the Dream Team. And somebody pointed out, and I didn't know this, no, it didn't. Your coach was the the guy who coached you yeah, during those Chuck years. Chuck Daly was coach. Was the coach. So your guy was the coach. Yeah. So it's nothing to do with you didn't shake Jordan's hand. He just didn't want you on the team. That's If you have not seen that team and the history of the dream team, that revolutionized basketball to a global audience. Oh, yeah. To live through it and see that team play was so mesmerizing. I think the only thing we can equate it to – was not maybe not the redeem team, but the one after that. I can't remember which one. I think it was the one after the redeem team, where I forget who they were playing, but they were playing some nation that you just looked at the matchup and you go, "Oh my god, they're going to run through them!" And by halftime, and it was a game. Well, it was fun to look at like the over under on the on the game because the over under was absurd, and I just was like, "They're going to be up on them by fifty at halftime," and then it ended up being it's like at one point they were up by seventy. Mm. Or something like that's the only thing I modern times I think you can equate it to. Yeah, it's just something that to live through it and see how the dream team revolutionized the global view of basketball is going to be really fun to watch. Like, I'm very excited to see that one, but they ain't going to top the Rodman episode. No, I don't think anything's going to. I'm going to be scared if they do top the Rodman episode. It's going to be hard to do. It's going to be hard to do, but ESPN has a surefire winner on their hand. I know it's going to Netflix right after it's done, too, I believe. Uh, For overseas. For overseas. But I also heard it might be going for American audiences, too. Could be. So we'll have to kind of get some more information on that. Sunday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, episodes 5 and 6 will be airing. And they have been doing the replays beforehand. I don't know if they're going to do all four before this one. I wouldn't imagine so. My guess is they're going to do the most recent, too. Yeah, so if you haven't seen it, watch it and definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH, and let us know what you think. Because, man, it's been must-watch TV. Mm Mm-hmm. That being said, the music you heard at the beginning of the show is that of Fair City Fire, and they are back on the podcast airwaves with their latest edition of the Say It Loud podcast. So you can check out everything going on with Fair City Fire on faircityfire.com or swing on over to ochodoropaliahour.com slash music, and you can check out them. You can check out Yard Party. You can check out Floodlands. You can check out Tom Jolu. You can check out Walking Distance. And you can also check out, shout out the robots, shout out to them as well, and especially Second Suitor, who this Friday on Bandcamp is releasing their Super Duper EP. Tyler from Second Suitor sent over the first single offset EP called We're Physicist Bro, and you'll be hearing that at the end of the show, so make sure to swing on over to secondsuitor.bandcamp.com this Friday and download the new episode or the new EP rather. Because, especially this Friday, I've just gotten the email from Bandcamp that they're waiving their revenue share again. Oh, wow. So, definitely 
I know it helps all, all the artists on there. So whether it's one of the bands you hear on the show or just one that you're supporting on a local scene, definitely go on this Friday and see what you can support on Bandcamp because it truly, 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 truly helps them all out. So for more information on that, you'll have to hit up your local bands or just head on over to ochodoropolyar.com slash music and check out the bands we feature on the show, such as Second Suitor. On the ODPH website, you can also check out our ODPH directory, so you can check out what's the latest going on with Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming, who's going in that Final Fantasy VII remake pad. Ah, I know that's up your alley. Yep, I'm, uh, very deep into it. Yes, so you definitely want to go check out what Tom's doing about that. You want to check out the latest going on in Excite Wrestling. You can check out what's going on with our fellow podcast community. Shout out to Pod Nation. Shout out to the Legion Independent Podcast. Shout out to the Apocalypse community, who is now starting the Pod Raids this week. And shout out to Alternate Reality Radio. And hashtag 607 podcast, where you can check out the latest going on with the 8122 Productions family. Shout out to Rich, Ron, and hashtag Big Natty Cool. Still on Twitter, Pad. Oh, boy. He's still on Twitter. Never lost, never stop. Hashtag Big Natty Cool Diesel at Big Natty Cool. You can find out all the new Patreon shows going on as well on the network. So Ron just had the first episode of I Love Movies talking about John Wick. Oh, Lord. It is raw, uncut, and in your face. It is everything that you expect about Ron talking about that movie franchise. If you haven't listened to 3FN, you should definitely start. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But Ron is going to come out. I don't know what he has planned for the second episode, but you can check that out on the Patreon section of them on their page because 8122 Productions is back up and running. So patreon.com slash 8122productions. And you can also find out about Love is Scary. $1 gets you in the door. $3 gets you a better seat at the table. And, Pad, Diesel has mentioned about a $100 tier. Oh, God. Yeah, I'm just going to leave it at that. Good Lord. The hashtag Diamond Diesel Club. I will tell yeah. you off air because we have been told if we mention anything about Love is Scary on the air, three providers will kick off the ODPH from their service. So if you want to find out what is so hot that we can't talk about on the air here on the ODPH, go over to patreon.com slash 8122productions. Sign up $1. Like I said, gets you in the door. It helps those guys out a lot. They're great friends of ours. You can also get early access to all their shows, like the 3FN Uncut, Uncooked, Uncensored Edition, and the wrestling show, which I co-host with Rich. So if you want to deep dive into all the pro wrestling topics you can handle, that's where you go sign up for that, and you get all that and more. You can also check out on ochodoropolyar.com about live stream for The Cure, May 27th through the 31st. It is coming very, very fast. Early donations are up and running, so head on over to livestreamforthecure.com. Donate if you can. The goal is to kick cancer's ass, and as much as we can raise to do it, all the better. So $10,000 is the exact goal. I get very amped up talking about it because cancer does hit me very close to home. So we are very honored and humbled to be a part of this event, along with uh, Three Fat Nerds, Rich and Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming. We're going to be doing one-hour content talking about the worst video game films of all time and what five video games should have been made into films. Okay. We have a little more news about that coming out at the end of the week. I just want to finalize with the powers to be about it of some ideas that we're going to do to help raise some money to definitely hit that goal of $10,000 and more. So all that information is on livestreamforthecure.com. But if you want to just go to one place and check out everything that is the ODPH, head on over to ochoduroparleyhour.com. Pad, that's all I got for this week. So for Coach Duffy. Who's on a 48-hour vacation to Las Vegas. For Padawan J. Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time. You won't be a hole with a hole in your heart Clinging to something that tears you apart Your body won't heal You can't fix
what's your mind? The longer you wait, the longer you're wasting time And you won't get better You thought you stole the sun Now you're stuck in shitty Sun. Now you're stuck in shit